Welcome to the news for the week of 31 May 2020. It is is now June, even though this is the week of 31 May, in the time of plague and chaos, unfortunately. Uh, SpaceX docks, anonymous returns, Apple pays, Zephyr blows, and mobile fishing can be expensive. All this and Jason Wood on Security Weekly News. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. We interrupt our program to bring you this important It's the show that keeps you up to date on the latest security news twice a week. Your trusted source for accurate security information and expert analysis. It's time for Security Weekly News. As technology continues to evolve and expand, so have the countless ways our critical systems can be put in jeopardy. Ransomware attacks, misconfiguration, user error, and malicious threat actors, to name a few. As IT infrastructures continue to grow and diversify, how do you ensure stable security? Core Security, a help systems company, provides an analytics-driven, layered approach to security with a portfolio that enables both proactive and reactive responses. With Core Security, you can reduce risk by limiting access, detect upcoming and active threats, test for security weaknesses, and efficiently monitor data for actionable insights. To learn more, visit securityweekly.com forward slash core security. Hey, if you haven't got on the Security Weekly Discord server yet, you should, because it's lots of fun and you get to talk to, well, all kinds of people on there during the shows and or otherwise. So check that out. It's free and uh, you can have some fun. Ah, all the news that's fit to print then. Uh, Anonymous has reemerged after a fairly long, quiet period from them. The hacktivist organization sent a message to the Minneapolis Police Department announcing that they would expose crimes of the department as well as running a a, a distributed denial of service attack on the Minneapolis Police Department's website. Uh, There were numerous other anonymous attributed and or claimed events uh, in the last couple of days. So, uh, you know, I, since they're anonymous, uh, it, it's hard to tell uh, what's, you know, what's what and what's official. Uh, the message that they sent went on to make various statements about Donald Trump, Bill Gates, other celebrities, uh, offering to disclose, uh, you know, a lot of other information. So uh, definitely something to keep, uh, keep your attention on or at least evaluate. Apple released a patch on Monday for iOS 13.5, which would correct a pretty nasty flaw that allowed apps to execute kernel-level code. Uh, This flaw was being used for jailbreaking, uh, so, you know, and we can debate whether that's legit or not, but was used for jailbreaking as well as other nefarious purposes, because a lot of times jailbreaking tools can be used for other things. But it was confirmed as patched by... uh, Pwned to owned uh, in version 13.5.1. So you probably want to get that version. Uh, Apple also apparently paid someone $100,000 for what is called the sign-in with Apple vulnerability. So the sign-in with Apple vulnerability or the sign-in with Apple program was announced at the June 2019 developers conference, and it was basically a way to create a single sign-on for social media type logins which may collect and hold personal data. So 
Apple was trying to get people away from these things where, you know, it says log in with Facebook, log in with Twitter, whatever kind of things that you go to other sites and use instead this sign in with Apple uh, tool. Uh, a lot like uh, it's, it's in some ways it's similar to the current Microsoft rollout of Microsoft Hello, which has been rolling out to people's desktops all week if you use Windows 10. Uh, but the sign in with Apple approach was being touted as a better option than using all these sign in with Facebook tools because it was going to be private. They were going to release your information and so forth. And there's been all kinds of controversy around these various and sundry things. Uh, so in April 2020, a critical security vulnerability was found in the sign in with Apple uh, tool. Uh, that would allow someone to essentially take over the third-party account just by using the email ID of the account. Well, Apple paid $100,000 through their bug bounty program to Bhavik Jain, publish, who published the information originally on the 30th of May. Now, he had actually informed Apple about this earlier, but on the 30th of May, he went ahead and released it to the general public. Um, Basically, it only affected the third-party account, so it did not affect your Apple account directly, but it did affect these third-party accounts, which, of course, then can be used for credential stuffing or whatever. But, um, wow, that's like a pretty impressive uh, kind of thing to find. Basically, uh, what he found he could do was request authorization or authentication tokens from any email ID from Apple. And as such, a forged token could then be linked to the email ID and used to access the account on the other sites. So it was certainly a win for bug bounty programs, but it was a pretty scary loss uh, for Apple at that point. In the 5G wars, uh, which continue worldwide, Great Britain announced that it was attempting to get the United States to work with Great Britain and eight other nations to form a club of 10 nations uh, called the D10 that would develop their own 5G tech in order to reduce dependence on Huawei. Uh, in Great Britain, up to 35% of their existing 5G infrastructure was built by Huawei. Uh, the Times reported that this D10 club would be formed from among the G7 nations, and the G7 nations are Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the UK, and the United States, and they were going to add Australia, South Korea, and India to this D10 group. Uh, there are not currently many options for 5G tech. Uh, because Huawei makes most of the antennas and relays. Uh, Ericsson and uh, Nokia, I think, also make some tools for that. Uh, but everybody's trying to get away from Huawei all of a sudden. Uh, the NSA published information on targeting of the XM mail transfer agent by the Sandworm team. Uh, Sandworm is a Russia-linked group that is also affiliated with Fancy Bear and all these other, uh, these other groups that were being run uh, in Russia. The XMMTA is subject to CVE 2019-10149, and I did put a link to that on the wiki, so if you haven't read that CVE. Now, that particular vulnerability in this mail relay tool has been patched, but there's two problems with that issue. One, there are a lot of these servers out there in the world. Uh, and two, actually three issues. Two, um, not everyone patched, as we all well know. And three, even if you did patch after the fact, it could be quite a bit of problem. Uh, Sandworm was targeting primarily European government organizations and attempting to exploit the vulnerability, which was had the potential to affect roughly 3.5 million servers when they started doing it back in 2019. Uh, the attack is basically processed through a mail from field 
on an SMTP message, and it's then used to gain access. What they were then doing with it is, of course, creating privileged users, additional users, additional ways to get into the system. So even if the patch gets put in place then, if they actually have a root login or a login that can escalate to root, they may be able to get back in despite the fact that you patch. So it doesn't always help if you patch after you've been compromised because, yeah, they can't use that same thing again, but they can also turn around and get right back in. Uh, these attacks were primarily coming from uh, a couple of IP addresses, um, and, of course, they could shift those up, but they did provide them in the article. So if you're interested in blacklisting, uh, I already had those two IPs blacklisted for some reason. Uh, probably from that original notification because I went and looked to see if I had them blacklisted already and I already did. So uh, if you need those IPs, they're in the wiki link on there. 26 Internet of Things flaws, uh, which can enable denial of service uh, and privilege-based attacks, were found in the Zephyr real-time operating system and the MCU boot bootloader. So those two things are often built out together. Uh, MCU Bootloader is an open source loading system that, that basically loads up that Zephyr OS. Uh, it's widely used. So these two products often paired in IoT applications. Uh, NCC Group found uh, the flaws in early 2020, and they tested and documented 25 specific flaws in the Zephyr OS and one additional flaw in the open source MCU Boot product. So because of the large number of IoT devices included, uh, and this included Intel, NXP, Nordic Semiconductor, and Texas Instruments, among others. And a lot of IoT devices use these two particular things as a basis for their operation. So uh, this enabled a lot of compromise potential in IoT devices, which are probably in use. It was everything from baby monitors to cameras to control systems and on and on and on. The United States Senate unveiled a bipartisan bill on Monday uh, that will plan to regulate contact tracing and exposure notification apps uh, to try and protect users' privacy. Uh, the bill is called the Exposure Notification Privacy Act, and it will place privacy rules around the development of such applications. A lot of tech companies uh, around the world and a lot of individuals around the world have been rapidly trying to develop contact tracing uh, and encounter type uh, applications that could be used as people start going back to school and work. Obviously, this could have a lot of market value if you develop the app that everybody decides to use. Uh, already, some states, like Rhode Island is one of them, have rolled out applications that they have put in place re and recommended the use of them. Education institutions are all scrambling, trying to find things to use for this. I've had a lot of calls about contact tracing and contact tracing apps. Um, Problem with them, of course, there's a lot of issues. I, I know Jason's going to talk about this in his segment, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the contact tracing privacy uh, issues um, and, and fraud that, that, circum that goes around all that. Uh, the bill, the theoretically, I have not read the whole bill, but it's going to require the consent of the user, collaboration with public health authorities, and other measures that would hopefully try to protect uh, the user of this bill. 
The bad news is the United States has had very little success in passing any type of privacy legislation that revolved around the restriction on software or business development. So it'll be interesting to see whether they're going to be able to get anything like this through because there's a lot of different players in that space, all of whom want their apps to be approved and all of whom have a vested interest in what this bill actually says. So when you get people like Google and Microsoft and Apple and other companies that have large amounts of money, uh, it gets complicated in Washington. Lookout Inc. released their 2020 mobile fishing spotlight report, and they showed a 37% increase in enterprise mobile fishing between, listen to this, between quarter four of 2019 and quarter one of 2020. So quarter one of 2020, which ended in March, did include some of the covid uh, escalation. And we all know that fishing went way up during this and so forth. Uh, they reported that an organization with 10,000 mobile devices uh, could end up with a bill of $35 million per incident and up to maybe $150 million U.S. if they had 50,000 enterprise-level devices uh, in their mobile networks. So basically, this is all due to the increasing sophistication of the attacks and the proliferation of enterprise mobile devices across organizations, not to mention when you start throwing in uh, COVID contact tracing and things like that. That The report itself includes all sorts of phishing and smishing attacks uh, that were targeting mobile devices. So it's kind of an interesting thing to take a look at. Um, and with that, uh, he went into the desert on a horse with no name to spend years learning the, the, the language of the sand people of Utah. Uh, today, he's going to join us to share some of his stories about COVID contact tracing scams. Uh, it's the unestimable Jason Wood. Hi, Jason. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Oh, you know, another day, another introduction. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> So, so when we I look forward to hearing what this is going to be every week. Of course. So when we come back, it will be Jason Wood. The question is simple. Have any of the systems on my network been compromised? The answer is harder than it should be. Enter AI Hunter. Active Countermeasures has automated and streamlined techniques used by the best pen testers and threat hunters in the industry to create AI Hunter, a network threat hunting solution that does the first pass of a hunt for you to identify systems that are most likely to be compromised and scores the results on a scale from 0 to 100. You can then research those systems in depth with AI Hunter. Focus your valuable time on the systems that need your expertise with AI Hunter. Sign up for a personal demo today at securityweekly.com forward slash ACM. All right. So we're back with Jason Wood, who I introduced before the break. I usually introduce him after break. I don't know. You got to mix things up or you get bored, right? I mean, so you got to have some fun with it. Hi, Jason. Keep us all on our toes. <laughs> hey, Doug. <laughs> yeah, I keep, I keep the crew on their toes. Like, which button? Oh, my God. What's he going to do next? <laughs> um, so, yeah, as Doug mentioned... Uh, I'm focusing a little bit on contact tracing, less on the apps, though, than just some of the scams that are going around with this uh, this particular issue. Obviously, um, you know, governments have, in the public health, has a vested interest in performing contact tracing to, to follow back to, you know, potential infection routes and stuff like that. Uh, this article is in the register, actually, it was aimed at our... Uh, fellow humans in the UK, but, uh, you know, this is not limited to, these types of scams are not limited to particular nations' borders. So it's good for us to take a look at here. 
Uh, basically, the, you know, you imagine you receive a phone call from somebody saying that they're a contact tracer from whatever the government agency in your area is, and they have are telling you that you've been exposed to somebody who has COVID, and as a result, they need a bunch of information to perform contact tracing. Um, you check the caller ID, everything, you know, listed with a quick glance looks legit, but, you know, you're on the phone with somebody. You don't have all the time in the world to, to start doing validation on something like you would an email or a text message. And so there's a little bit of pressure here, and perhaps maybe you're worried about COVID-19 for either reasons of your own health or family members who have particular issues that could be uh, targeted by that disease. And so it becomes really, you know, a lot of pressure to respond back and give this person what they want. The problem, yeah, and they start asking a lot of questions about, you know, where you've been, who you've been in contact with, gathering up some health information, things like that. And the problem is this call is totally bogus. This is from a scammer. Uh, this basically is what the this article in the register is laying out is possible in the UK. Uh, they, they say it's already happening, but then they don't in the headline, but they don't actually go into examples uh, really of these types of calls. But what they've done had happened in the UK is the National Health Service, or NHS, has launched a program where contact tracers will be calling up residents from a published phone number so that residents can look at their caller ID and see if that's legit. Obviously, though, there's a problem with that in that if you're depending totally on that caller ID, that's spoofable, and uh, you could end up with somebody playing games on you. So, and that and that's really what's going on here. There's no other way for you to really validate this. Um, if, if you get called and you're, you're stuck trying to figure out whether this is legitimate or not, how much you're trying to help out the public good and protect yourself at the same time. Um, but, you know, I thought this was worth sharing nonetheless with people because I have seen examples of friends who've received text messages saying that, you know, hey, we're doing contact tracing. You've been exposed to somebody. Click on this link. And they actually provide some guidance in the text, you know, self-isolate and go get tested, things that we would expect our, our health officials to tell us. Um, but they've got this helpful but very malicious link for you to click on. And you go to the site uh, if you, you fall to it. Um, so it doesn't really seem to be a big stretch that we would go from you know, what I've seen here in the U.S., for example, with my friends, uh, of text messages to, to phone calls of some sort. Uh, one of the issues, of course, here is with the scammers targeting things like COVID-19. It's something there's a lot of fear about. Um, people are worried. Uh, depending on what their health situation is, they're even terrified. Uh, so someone calls up to say they've been exposed, they're going to go into full cooperation mode. They're going to try and find out everything they can for their own health and to protect others. Um, it's really doubtful that in that situation, as questions are coming at them rapid fire, that they're going to notice odd questions that don't quite make sense in the overall narrative because they're thinking about this specific question at the time. Um, and then they start asking for information about people you've come in contact with, their contact information, phone numbers, stuff like that, so they can get a hold of them. And, you know, the cycle just repeats. You know, you, they, your friend gets a phone call and says, hey, we were just on the phone talking to Jason Wood. He said you just had lunch the other day, and we think you've been exposed, and, you know, instant credibility, essentially. 
there's not a lot we can do here as individuals to fight back against this, really, other than spreading information to those around us, letting people know that this is happening, providing screenshots. There's one in um, the register article of the text message version. Uh, but share this information out with folks, uh, particularly some of your non-technical friends and family who aren't going to pick up on it on some of the, the little cues that we might, um, and maybe just the skepticism that that we have in security about things. Uh, here is some tips from Ben Tuckwell of RSA Security that was linked, you know, written up in the article. So I'll just read this off. Consumers can protect themselves by acting smart and pausing to consider each communication they receive. Okay, that makes sense. While re remembering the three key smishing don'ts. Don't respond to texts from unknown or unusual numbers. Don't click on any links and text messages. And don't share any banking information, usernames, passwords, or other personal details. And receive a, uh, after receiving a text message, unless you can verify who it is you're speaking with. And that is, of course, kind of difficult as, like I laid out here, the idea of you're being concerned. You're on the phone with somebody. How do we validate who these people are? Is there a number we can call back to? Uh, is a potential question I would ask and then get off the phone and go validate that online. Um, other than that, there's not a lot I can add here to to uh, those suggestions. Uh, like I said, I would just share this out with folks. Let them know that this type of scam is occurring, that people are out for this information, don't know exactly what they're doing with it. Um, this is one of those times where everything is in commotion and criminals are only too happy to take advantage of it. All right. Thanks, Jason. Certainly, uh, be sure and get out to your people, some information and guidance on that. And if you're just, even just socially, just spread it on social media. Uh, you know, I try to do that pretty regular because there's a lot of people in my social media that are not security specialists and these things are so insidious and they're so easy to fall for because especially if you're scared or nervous or you have elderly family members or elderly employees you know it's a good idea to get that out and not everybody thinks the way we do so it's and they take advantage of that i mean i'm so paranoid that you know when when my mother calls i'm usually like are you sure Tell me something that only you would know. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know about that. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jason. Uh, and finally, if you missed it, SpaceX uh, and, and NASA launched the Dragon on Saturday despite earlier concerns about the weather. Uh, I know that I, – I know, I know. The, the name of it, 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 sometimes it's Endeavor. It's the Dragon mounted on the Falcon, on the SpaceX, and all that. It was a little confusing about what to call it, but it was still cool. So uh, they, they live-streamed it. So, so I, it was really nice to see all these high-def uh, webcams that were mounted on every component of the – I know this is a nerd fest for sure, but it was just like really, really cool to see the, the stage separations and all that kind of stuff. I was a little disappointed that the cameras cut out right as the stage one was going to land on the platform. That was, of course, because of the, the, the jet blast from the rocket that causes interference. You could see it on the long range camera, but you know, they had that close up camera showing it's supposed to sit down on that little platform. I, I watched the very first moon landing, uh, back in 1969 on a black and white television in my parents' basement. Um, I watched the space shuttle explode, uh, in a, uh, it was actually in the billiards room at the university, uh, center. 
uh, and I, I didn't even know what was happening when I first saw that happen. And I did get to watch this really exciting event. It was awesome. Uh, I was kind of hoping for an all-electric rocket, you know, Elon, come on, uh, you know, all those flames and stuff. But I really didn't think that was going to be the case. The capsule successfully docked with the uh, International Space Station on Sunday morning. So hopefully we can get back to focusing on science and space. Uh, 2001 is now 19 years in the past, but hopefully Arthur C. Clarke's visions of the future will someday come around and we can all maybe go into space or something. That Wouldn't that be cool on uh, American Airlines space travel line or whatever? They'll probably still have lousy service. Uh, and that's the news for now in the time of plague and chaos. I'm Doug White. Thanks for joining us this episode of Security Weekly News. I'll be back Friday with the Security Weekly News wrap-up. Stay safe and be nice to everybody, okay? Thanks. Bye.